Welcome to the Missions Podcast, the show that explores your hard questions on missions, theology, and practice to help goers think and thinkers go. I'm Alex Kochman, Director of Communications and Media with ABWE, joined by Scott Dunford, pastor of Redeemer Church in Fremont, California, yes. and also Jonathan Master, President of Greenville Presbyterian Seminary. Greenville Seminary? Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary, Theological but you seminary. can call it Greenville Seminary. That's Greenville fine. Seminary, yeah, that's, yeah. That's, that's better. That rolls off the tongue a little bit easier. In, obviously, Greenville. Greenville, South Carolina. That's right, absolutely. And we're glad you're here. We're grateful that you're a part of the Radius Conference where we're coming to you from here in Matthews, North Carolina as well. So I'm learning all of my Southern geography yes. actually right now. Um, but uh, how has the conference been for you so far? Is your first time, I think, at the conference? It is. I've known the guys at Radius for a while, uh, but and I had the privilege of being at the Radius campus a couple of times and teach at Radius Theological Institute. But this is my first Radius conference, yeah. and it's been a joy. It's been a joy to meet people who are thinking about overseas mission work. Mm. It's been a joy to just spend more time with brothers that I have so much in common with. And certainly the teaching we've gotten has been rich and good reminders of, yeah. of basic truths about the work that God's doing. And who's your favorite VP within the seminary, and why is it Pat Daly? <laughs> Yeah, right. I mean, clearly he put you up to this, and uh, he's my, both my favorite and least favorite. Yes, because I was going to say least favorite. You said right. favorite, yeah. so it tells you where we stand. I'm an only child. That's how my parents feel about me. I'm both their least favorite and most favorite kids. <laughs> That's so, right. That's yeah. right. It's the cross we bear. Anyway, we're glad you're here. Oh, it's a privilege. Thanks. Yeah. So let's talk about something that you've written on a little bit, which is yeah. the, the topic of grace and growing in grace. Yeah. Uh, obviously, that's something we all want to grow in and understand more. You've written with Banner of Truth, which, you know, we love Banner of Truth and what they're doing. Is it possible for missionaries who are entrusted with this gospel of grace? You know, we think of like, this is your job, missionaries. You're, 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 you have to preach the gospel of grace. Is it possible for missionaries to lose sight of grace in their own lives? Absolutely. I mean, it's possible for anyone to proclaim one thing and not have it be real in their life. In fact, actually, church history is full of examples of men who gave evidence of preaching the gospel and yet didn't actually have a, a, a real knowledge of God through Jesus Christ themselves. Mm. So certainly it is, and, and we can lose sight of these things all the time. The Apostle Paul tells us to, to persevere, to press on. He, he talks about how he presses on mm -hmm. in his work. And so the, I guess one way to think about it is this, if the Apostle Paul saw himself as in need of pressing on and continuing to grow and learn, then certainly all of us who serve Christ today have that same need. And, and I think there are particular uh, dangers, risks that missionaries have today, ways that, it, that, that it's more difficult for them, because many of the things I mentioned in the book have to do with our corporate life together in the church. And, for many missionaries, they may be one of only a few people, a few believers yeah. in Christ overseas. And, yeah. and that really does present significant risks. It's not, it's not a bad thing. It's a good thing that the Lord has placed them there. But, but when we talk about growing in grace and look at the New Testament, normally that happens through the, the ministry of preaching and teaching mm -hmm. the ordinances of the local church. Yeah. Now, before we dive too much deeper into that, even define for us what growing in grace means. Are we talking about, and, and I think we understand what we're talking about, but for the sake of everyone listening here yeah. too, are, are we talking about growing in our understanding of the grace that we've received objectively from the outside? Are we talking about growing in our graciousness as far as mm. our disposition, our personality? Um, is it some combination of the two? That's so, it, you know, unpacking kind of churchy language, you know, what do you mean when you talk about growing in grace? Obviously we should grow in, in Christ, but what does it mean specifically to say growing in grace? 
Well, but I think I think that's I think what you said captures it. I think in the New Testament, grace isn't viewed as some outside substance, this sort of cloud that we get independent of Christ. Mm. We 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 uh, grow in the grace of God in and through our union with Jesus Christ. So I think it is appropriate to say what we're talking about here is growing in Christ-likeness and growing in our relationship with Christ. It's no accident that when Peter uses that phrase, and you know it comes from the end of 2 Peter, these are kind of his last words to the church, grow in grace and the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. When Paul talks about the incarnation of Christ in Titus, he says the grace of God has appeared. and. So I think that actually we do a, a disservice to our understanding of grace when we separate it out mm-hmm. from uh, growing in our knowledge and, and uh, our understanding and our participation mm-hmm. in, the, in our union with Jesus Christ. Uh, John Murray said that, that union with Jesus Christ is the, is the fountain from which all the other blessings of salvation flow. And I think that's right when you look at the New Testament. It's so integral, not just to our understanding of what it means to be a Christian, but what it means to grow as a Christian. It's also just helpful just if you're, if you're struggling to understand some of the controversies around justification and sanctification and the interplay there, and, 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 or even if you're trying to understand the doctrines of grace, it all centers on union with Christ. That precedes everything else. That, that really is kind of the key to understanding all of the Christian life, right. understanding the, the order of salvation, all those sorts of things. And for a missionary to have that concept is essential. So, so what would you say to a mature Christian, you know, not a baby Christian, who wants to continue to grow in, in grace, wants to become more like Christ? What, what kind of encouragement would you give to a mature Christian to keep going? I mean, the first encouragement I would give is that God is at work in your life, that God the Holy Spirit, if you're a mature Christian, God, God is at work. He is concerned about your sanctification more than you are. And so he is, he is working in you to transform you into the likeness of Jesus Christ. But the second thing I would say is, I think we can look at the commands of Scripture and see in very tangible ways the responsibilities that were given as disciples of Jesus Christ. And I don't think those are antithetical to grace. Some people uh, don't want to ever talk about the duties of the Christian life because they're afraid that somehow that'll make it sound like it's our own works that bring us into union with Christ. That's not what the Bible ever teaches, of course, but nonetheless it does say pray without ceasing. Uh, flee youthful temptations, teach with great patience and careful instruction, mm. forgive one another even as God in Christ has forgiven you. So all those imperatives of what we're supposed to do as Christians are actually ways of, I think, answering that question, mm-hmm. how it is that we continue to grow in grace, how it is that we continue to persevere in the grace that's given us in Jesus Christ. So, I mean, that, that even even as we say it, it doesn't sound like a profound or sophisticated answer. It's just obey the Lord, follow Christ, be in the Word of God. Yeah. That's how that's how God communes with us in and through His Word. Book of Hebrews begins with this uh, description of how God, in many and various ways, spoke through the prophets. But now in these last days, He's spoken to us through His Son, and and of course at the end of Hebrews, the the, the author picks up on that and says. See to it that you do not refuse him who is speaking. So at a basic level, I'd say, read your Bible, sit under the ministry of the word yeah. and obey it. You know, and, and today, if you hear his voice, don't harden your hearts. That's going to lead to a whole lot of specifics in any individual life. But that's the essence of what it means. To, it's the Psalm 1 life. 
yeah. delighting in the law of the Lord and in his law we meditate day and night. I think it could be a temptation for, you know, so I'm in middle age now. You're still heading that way. Um, Careening. You, know, you, you feel like you, you use an analogy of a car going uphill. And yeah. you, like, you, think in your, you, know, you think in your Christian life, hey, I crested the hill. I'm going to put it neutral and just let it slide down yeah. the rest yeah. of the way. And that, that's devastating to a believer's life. You know, we've got to keep persevering in Christ. We, we had a great talk yesterday with Ian Hamilton, you know, about keeping Christ as our focus, keeping our eyes on Christ, seeing as our salvation is something outside of us and keeping keeping that focus on Christ. It's so essential, especially as we get older, uh, to keep keep pursuing Christ and his grace. Yeah, absolutely. And I think one question that comes up is, you know, can we be too grace-focused hmm. um, to the exclusion of commands, law? But you've already sort of answered that. But I guess a further question with that is, okay, but we're here at a missions conference, right? And, and missions requires more than a lot of other aspects of the Christian life perseverance, willingness to go out and initiate and do hard things for the cause of Christ. And so how does grace lead to that kind of uh, initiative and effort? Because that, that, doesn't, that doesn't always feel gracious. Yeah. That feels like a sacrifice. It feels like I'm giving God something, not necessarily that I'm receiving it, or am I? Yeah. Well, I mean, again, I'm thinking of the way in which Paul talks about obedience. The grace of God has appeared and it teaches us to deny ungodliness and worldly lusts. And so I, I do think we're, we have to be fueled by grace in order to do that kind of thing. And in fact, actually, even the willingness and the desire is an evidence of God's grace mm. in, in the <laughs> life of someone who would go and serve Christ yeah. in that yeah. way. And, and I think we need to be reminded of that and, yeah, and, and we do. thank the Lord for it, that that, that, that will to do according to his good pleasure is, is his work in you and an evidence of his grace in you. But you know, you're absolutely right. It needs to continue to, to fuel us. I don't think it is in any way opposed to the commands of God. I mean, I know we put the question that way. Can we be too focused on one to the exclusion of the other? Well, not biblically, we right. can't. Yeah. Uh, the right. New Testament um, doesn't do that. sweetly comply. That, that's, that's exactly yeah. right. That's exactly right. And so, and that com that comes back to ultimately proclaiming to our hearers and really to ourselves the whole Christ. You know, the the antidote to antinomianism, to you know this abandonment of the law of God, is not more law. Mm -hmm. It's Christ. Mm. And the um, the antidote to this sort of hyper legalism isn't less law. Mm -hmm. It's more Christ. And so. Proclaiming Christ, the whole Christ, speaks really to both of those tendencies that we have. And, of course, that's what the New Testament does. So here we're at Radius. We're hearing great challenges about Christ and the gospel and even suffering and missions. If you spend time at Radius, you realize they spend a lot of time yeah. developing a theology yeah. of suffering. So, you know, in Christian ministry, but especially in difficult missionary settings, it's hard. Life's hard. And so... And we talk about grace, maybe graciousness is a life like uh, uh, controlled by grace and evidencing grace. What would you say to a, how could we say to a missionary who's in a tough situation, uh, what would you say to them about, about allowing grace to help fuel them in the middle of suffering in a difficult situation? I think one of the first things we need to remind ourselves of is that all the circumstances that God brings into our life are not accidental that God is a sovereign and loving Heavenly Father. You know, I'm, I'm reminded of the end of the book of Job in Job 42. And he hasn't, he, he's had this confrontation with God. And, and what he says first 
in his final speech is, I know that you can do all things and that no plan of yours can be thwarted. And then he goes on to say, I, I didn't know what I was talking about before. You're God, I'm not. You're good, I only have a, a, a sliver of understanding and it's very, it's very skewed of what goodness would look like in my life. Your ways are not my ways. Your thoughts are not my thoughts. You're wiser than I am. So, so in a sense, I think that's, that, is, that would be an evidence of grace in someone's life, that their, their willingness to say, God's in control. God loves me. God's plan for the progress of the gospel far exceeds my own. And I was just talking prior to our sitting down here about several prominent Scottish missionaries, and it's interesting to look at some of them. Some of the men who looked the most promising, and in fact were the most promising, died very early. And you say to yourself, is that an accident? Is that a failure? Were they wrong to uh, consider missions at all? And, and of course the answer is no. Now I can't, I can't tie up all those loose ends, but I know that God is in control. He's sovereign, and, 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 and I can trust Him with my life. And I can trust him with all these challenges that I'm facing. You know, and the other thing I would say is this. Uh, in 2 Corinthians, he's such a help to us. Because Paul in 2 Corinthians makes the case, a very counterintuitive case, I think, that actually my weakness and my suffering it is not just something you should overlook and uh, recognize that God's in control, but it's actually something in which God's power is being displayed. So we remember, of course, his cry to the Lord that the thorn in the flesh would be removed. And, and God says, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is perfected in your weakness. And so it's a gut check because you have to say to yourself, what am I really, what am I really about? Do I want myself to be strong or do I want God's power to be displayed? And biblically speaking, it's a hard truth, but God's power is perfected in our weakness. So that's what we really mm -hmm. want. Yeah, and so many missionaries would pray to have a powerful ministry. That's right. We all yeah. we all want power, and 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 it's and we kind of get confused because sometimes we're not just thinking of the power of the gospel. We're thinking of ourselves, you know, moving right. from strength to strength. But boy, mm. that's the exception rather than the rule. I think, at least in the Bible. And that's not what Paul experienced, and it's not what he said his credibility was dependent on. Um, it's actually his credentials are wrapped up in his suffering and weakness, and God's power displayed through it. So at Greenville Theolo Presbyterian Theological Seminary. You can just say Greenville Seminary. Can we say the Greenville? The, yeah. <laughs> yes. So um, you're not just wanting to have uh, really intelligent theological scholars come to your school. I, I, one thing I appreciate about what you're doing is you're really wanting to see people equipped for the mission. So tell us, tell us about some of the exciting things that are going on at the seminary. What are you trying to do? How are you trying to equip people for the mission field? We've always had a, an emphasis since our founding. We were founded on the, we still have the basic charter of principles from Princeton Seminary. And so th those kind of guide us. But, but but one of the things we've always emphasized is that we're a seminary. In fact, my predecessor would always say something that I, it took me a while to understand. He would say, we're a seminary, not a graduate school of theology. And what he meant was not that we don't have graduate level classes and graduate mm -hmm. level standards. What he meant was we're, we are called by God to prepare men for 
pastoral ministry. And what that means is they have to be trained in personal piety. They have to be, they have to grow in godliness. They have to grow in prayer. They have to be involved in the local church. That's what we're after. Mm. Robert Murray McShane says a holy minister is an awful weapon in the hands of God. And, and that's, that's what we're persuaded uh, mm. is what the church needs and, mm -hmm. what, and what God calls ministers to be. So that's at the top of the list. Now, it's a rigorous program. It's long. It's 122 credit hours. So there's lots of Greek, lots of Hebrew. Um, but, and, and there's a reason for that too, a biblical reason for that. But, but I would say it starts with uh, we want... In order to be a Christian minister, you need to be a Christian man and and grow in in grace and 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 the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ in that in that way. Yeah. It, and so you have a new partnership with Radius. Yes, we do. So so we're so excited about this because, you know, what one of the things that's so clear when you're at a conference like this uh, is how God is at work building His church everywhere. And, and that the Lord has called us in the Great Commission to make disciples of all nations. One of the, I mentioned the Princeton uh, abstract earlier. It, it, one of the things it talks about is being a nursery for world missions. That's what their seminary was, one that they wanted it to be. And actually, by God's grace, in the, in the 1820s and 1830s, about 30% of their graduates went out yeah. to, to live and die wow. overseas. You've never heard of them because wow. they did the work they were right, called yeah. to do. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that is, that is um, a, a passion that I think is absent in in many seminary contexts. Yeah. And um, so so, but for us, it's it's right in line with what we're laser focused on, which is preparing men for gospel ministry. Um, so we're partnering with Radius in that um, Radius has about a year of classes that they do on their campus. And we've worked it out such that in evaluating what they're doing and evaluating what we do, we, we can streamline our MDiv so that that year of credit gets applied to mm -hmm. the MDiv that they're doing. So what we, we want is students who are equipped in the, uh, the classic uh, tools of uh, Bible and theology and apologetics and evangelism, but also then have this um, special training right. that Radius gives. Uh, for frontier mission work. And what we want to see is for God to raise up those who are trained, not just by radius, but are well-equipped to lead and to, and to plant churches yeah. overseas. We want to see more seminaries catch that vision. Baptist, Presbyterian, yeah. various stripes. We want to see more missions agencies catch that vision on the back end and be willing to then take those people and, and slot them into places on, on fields where they can have an impact. And yeah. so we're grateful for your forward thinking there. Let's, I imagine there's some young Baptist men out there that are like, I wish I could go to that seminary, but I'm not Presbyterian. They're welcome. No, they are very welcome. We, we love it. We have, um, you know, it varies from year to year, but we have, we, we are unapologetic in what we teach and, and what our doctrinal commitments are. I mean, I'm not, uh, not going to, I want to be really clear about that. That's one of the things we're, 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 we're clear on. But uh, we've always had brothers who are Baptists who who study with us. They're looking for rigorous, classic, 
reformed, experiential training uh, for pastoral ministry, which which is what we aim to provide, and and they're they're just welcomed with open arms. There are a lot of good, very good Baptist churches in the area that these men can intern with, and that they can be sent from. And so, yeah, it's a joy when we have opportunities to rub shoulders with those men. So, how can someone find out more about the seminary, more about this partnership in particular, too? You can go to gpts.edu, and I don't know the link for the specific details of the Radius partnership. Probably have to poke around the website a little bit, but um, gpts.edu, and then they can email any one of us. We'd be happy to send them personal information about that, and our email addresses are really easy to find on the site as well. I'll tell you, what, what animates me when I think about this is, I'm sure you guys quote this all the time in your podcast, Jesus' words, so glorious. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray to the Lord of the harvest that he would raise up workers. But but here's the thing. That same word for laborers or workers, you know this, is used by Paul in the pastoral epistles. He uses that same word and he says, be diligent to present yourself as one approved by God, a laborer, a worker, who doesn't need to be ashamed, correctly handling the word of truth. So what we pray for all the time is that the Lord would raise up laborers, but that the Lord would raise up approved workmen who don't need to be ashamed because they correctly handle the word of truth. And we're aiming to give them the tools, the training, the time to do that. Yeah, we want missionaries that'll endure. That's right. Not just any warm body. That's right. People that are godly and grounded. That's right. Very good. Yep. Thank you, Jonathan. We appreciate oh, hey, having you on. It's been my pleasure, guys. Yeah. Thanks so much. Ours too. Yeah, very good. Want to learn more. And so if you do want to learn more, go to GPTS. I almost said GBTS. That's something Don't else. Don't confuse people. GPTS. Let them be Presbyterian. That's, That's right. right. Exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to speak this into being here. Yeah. GB. No, GPTS.edu. And to get more content here from the Radius Conference, go to missionspodcast.com. I had to think about that for a second, missionspodcast.com. And you can partner with us as well at missionspodcast.com slash support. The Missions Podcast is a ministry of ABWE. To learn more about them, go to abwe.org. And if you're new to the show, remember to subscribe. Remember to leave us a positive rating and review in your podcast platform of choice. That really helps us out. So until next time, thank you for watching or listening. 